HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, road trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. The world changed in March 2020, and again in April, and then a few weeks later, yeah, more change. And it keeps changing, but I don't need to tell you that. You work in a bar or in a restaurant, and you thought before the pandemic that you had to deal with an ever-changing landscape. Post-pandemic, it's like we're all surfing an earthquake. But at least one change is presenting new opportunities for bars. In most of the world now, you can offer cocktails to go. Some friends have told me that's become something like 60% of their revenues. 60%. But how do you build a cocktail to go program? What do you offer? How do you receive orders? How are batch recipes different than single drink recipes? How do you ensure you're charging enough to make a profit? For answers to these questions and more, check out DiageoBarAcademy.com. Among their hundreds of resources, you'll find a profitability calculator and a helpful article titled The ABCs of Batching Summer Drinks. Check out DiageoBarAcademy.com for this and more. Stay informed, get inspired, and nurture connections to grow your career or your business by joining Diageo Bar Academy. Visit Diageo Bar Academy. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Visit today. It's completely free, and you will be amazed at all they have to offer. That's diageobaracademy.com. Log on now at diageobaracademy.com to raise the bar and enhance your career. Just Egg is better for you. And it's better for the planet. How? Well, they've just sold the plant-based equivalent of 100 million eggs. That's 100 million eggs that use 98% less water and 86% less land than eggs that come from animals. So if you do the math, that's 3.6 billion. That's billion with a B as in bonus. 3.6 billion gallons of water saved in terms of impact on the environment. It's as if you took 3,000 cars off the road for an entire year. So that's how it's better for the planet. Better for you? Well, that's the equivalent of 33,333,333 omelets that Chef Jose Andres would call 
mind-blowing. Heritage Radio Network is proud to partner with Just Egg. And if you run a restaurant and want to get in on all this good stuff, go to ju.st slash hrn. That's ju.st slash hrn. And you'll get a free sample of the fastest-growing egg brand on the market that's going to bring more plant-hungry consumers through your door. I am Lou Bank. I am Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. And this is part two of our no miniseries in which we talk about who gets to decide if it's mezcal. Chava, who gets to decide? There was only one group that used to 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 decide this. Used to. There was a You're monopoly. Used to yeah. like like this was hundreds of years ago. Like like last week, two weeks ago. How, how long? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. So since they made the nomination of origin, since since the word mezcal ha- was subjected to 1994, was subjected to certain rules that it had to follow to be able to use the word mezcal. There was just one group, one organization that was in charge. That one body is the CRM. Well, the, the guys who got to interpret the rules, who decided, okay, this is what this means. Let me see your agave spirit, how you're making it. This is what you're doing. Makes this mezcal or it's not mezcal. And before we say anything else, uh, we have a great quote from... <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah, I want to start with a quote because I think it's very clear. It's going to help us a lot uh, directing this discussion. We happen to interview. Please, can you say the name? Can you say his position? Because I'm really bad at that. <laughs> Sure. Uh, so his name is Alberto Esteban Marina, yeah. right? And and he was the director general uh, for the secretary of the economy for the six years under Peña Nieto. Peña Nieto. Yeah, Peña Nieto. Um, so literally his job was to oversee all of the gnomes, all of these regulations that define what something is or is not in Mexico. Everything from cars to mezcal. So let's go to his quote. When I started my term in the general direction of normativities, what I told you about the electric and electronic sector was real. There were only two certification bodies that certified 98% of the electronics and electric sector. And when I realized this, I told them, either you start competing or I canceled you both. So I opened up a call for proposals, 11 suppliers applied to provide the service, and they proved that they could do it. So they immediately started competing among them. The prices went down, the certification process, instead of taking two months, was done in three days. And all of this was not because they had lowered their standards, but because all of them were forced to provide a better service. And what do we need in Mexico? In Mexico, we need to create the conditions for the producers that are creating jobs and exportations to have an easier time certifying their products. Because if we make it harder, we're killing the golden eggs chicken. If you consider that mezcal represents nine states in all Mexico, but produces only 1% of the volume of tequila, it is very clear that we have a problem and that we're not helping the mezcal industry grow. Okay, so I want to follow up this with a story, with a personal story. Personal story. Uh, this happened to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One time I, I had a few questions about 
how, you know, there's all these dynamics between bottlers and, and mezcal producers and how you have to pay taxes, how you have to deposit, who do you have to deposit? Just very simple, practical questions. And I decided to call the CRM because that's what you do. When you have a specific question, you don't find a PDF document that explains this on the internet, on their webpage. You call them and tell them, hey, where's your PDF document where this is explained? You know what happened, mm-hmm. Boo? What? Uh, this girl, like, picked up. and She was like, hey, what's up? Like, <laughs> there, there was not a commuter. There was not for uh, for inquiries, press one. For uh, emergencies, press two. No. I got to so, say, I, I love that. I love that. When you get personal service, they pick up the phone and answer. That's a good thing. Yeah. And then it was like, hey, what's up? Uh, well, this I have this question. I, I want to... I, I, I'm producing with a producer. I'm bottling with a bottler. They're not the same people. Do I need to pay the bottler or can I pay the producer and just certify this whole thing? She did not know. For me, that was a very simple question. She had no idea. She said she was going to ask. Uh, we'll call you later. I left my data. I called again in 40 minutes. They're like, hey, what's up? Did you happen to have someone to ask? This went on for two weeks. I never had an answer from them. So when Alberto says that it's very hard to certify your product unless you've been doing this for a while with the with these guys that had the monopoly of certification, he was not wrong. And the fact that there's new actors, I mean, your your country was fo- founded on this idea. Free market. No, no, we were founded on slavery, but that's a different story. Yeah, yeah, we're not going in there, but that's, no. the, that's the ultimate American argument. Free market, competition, better service, better prices for the consumer. Well, well, you know, I would agree that in theory, having more bodies who can certify the agave spirit as mezcal or certify that it is not mezcal, in theory, should open up the market, right? Like if there is an actual body in Durango that can certify, as opposed to somebody in Oaxaca having to get on a plane or in a car and go to Durango to certify it is far more likely that somebody is going to be able to certify in Durango as Moscow, right? Because it's going to get cheaper. They're going to have more offices. I, you know what, Chava, but I say in theory because, and I agree that in theory it will get cheaper, but it's in theory. Because if you think about, if you think about the fact that you've got one staff that's covering the nine states, well, now how big is your staff in each of the states? How big is your staff for each of these regulatory bodies, which can or could, I'm not saying it can't, but it could make it more expensive. And I would also say that, you know, you and I, and 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 really and truly, like, I, I, I think in my gut, this is a good thing, but I'm not going to just blindly accept that it's a good thing. I know, laugh at me. Sure, that's fine. But, but, but you and I know from traveling through rural Oaxaca that even though the body that certifies is in Oaxaca... It's not easy for all of these producers to become certified mezcal producers. Because this body, this body is the, like, like if you wanted to define, I, I think it's actually in the, in the official dictionary of Mexico. I think incompetence has uh, some, <laughs> like some examples under where they, they make, uh, they make sentences with the word. And I think the CRM is one of the examples they give. It's the, wow. <laughs> That's just mean spirited. Look, I, I, you know, I, again, like, I think, I think you're right. I think expanding uh, the number of bodies who can certify will make it easier for more producers to 
to actually use this word that means so much to them, to their families, right? And I hope that that's the case. But I'm not. I don't. I don't just take that on blind faith. Okay. Then I have a, se- a second point that I think it's going to okay. be as important as the first point. You're yeah. going to have a system of squealers. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. You know what? That's a good point because squealers are good. Their squealers yeah, are good. So you're going to have different organisms trying to get a bigger part of the market. And they're going to be very, very vigilant on the others' actions. So if the others are making bad practices or are corrupt or are doing stuff that is not cool, then the others have an excuse to be on top of them to try to kick them out of the market. And you know, to like to your point, there was a story, uh, God, about a year ago, I think, when initially another certifying body popped up. Suddenly, and nobody understood how this was possible, right? Um, this other body popped up in um, in Michoacan that was certifying Mescal. And nobody understood how that could be because the CRM was supposed to be the only body. And I think, I think in fact, this is why everything that's happening right now um, in terms of certifying bodies is happening. There was a lawsuit. Um, well, first, there was a fine placed by uh, the, the secretary of the economy against the CRM because of an ad campaign that they uh, that they released that, in essence, said, if you don't see our hologram, the CRM hologram on a bottle, it's not real mezcal, which basically said, hey, these other guys don't matter, which yeah, wasn't cool. And, and there was a huge lawsuit because they wanted to still have the monopoly. And that's what was overturned a few weeks ago. And that's why we have more certifying bodies right now, because it makes a ton of sense. But okay, if all of this is not enough argument, I have a third (laughs) argument. What's the third (laughs) argument? If you have an office in Oaxaca, a lot of the guys you're employing, they're Oaxacans. Mm -hmm. They are experts on the ways in which Oaxacans make mezcal. Sure. And when they travel to Zacatecas, they travel to Durango, they travel to San Luis Potosí, You've seen this. It looks like another continent. It looks extremely different practices. So I think a lot of times they might think they're doing something wrong because they just don't understand what they're doing. If you have offices in different areas of Mexico, those certifying bodies can become experts in the practices of these places. And therefore, if they're going to change their regulation or the norm further ahead, they might come up with ideas in which these traditions get to have uh, to be accommodated better in these regulations. You know, I, and, and I hope that's right. I hope that uh, by having more bodies in more places that you do see more of these traditional practices uh, incorporated into future definitions of what you can and cannot do and still call your agave spirit mezcal. But, but you know, I, like in the best possible world, that's how things work. But my my biggest concern here is, and, you know, and, and, and I think it's safe to say that well, the CRM certainly is no fan of me, but I really do see a value in having one single body that gets to interpret this piece of regu- this piece of legislation, this this regulation called the GNOME, right? This this GNOME 070. Um, because once you have multiple bodies trying to interpret it. They're inevitably going to interpret it differently. And I think it's already really confusing what mezcal is. But you know what's the really cool thing about that? Then you choose that that one organism that complies better with your understanding of the num. You, you fish. You fish for the guys that are friendlier to your process. You, you're saying you, but really what you mean is the producer. And I'm exactly. saying... 
for, but for I, what I'm you know and I and we love the producers but this <laughs> is about this is about gringo bartenders and consumers I've got this great story from Food and Wine in August of 2020 where they misunderstand they think that all mezcal is milled the agave is milled using a tahona like in mm. popular mechanics right and food and wine like they know about food and wine popular mm. mechanics is a science magazine august 2019 they misunderstood they said that mezcal requires more time to harvest prep and cook than tequila does well if you use certain practices it does popular mechanics but the science guys got it wrong and then the new york times in january of 2020 the new york times they said that mezcal Mezcal can legally be made in 10 Mexican states. There's so much to the, and I, and I get, I really do get that this is not about, um, th that the confusion is not about who's regulating what mm. Mezcal is, right? The, the, the gnome is confusing, but I think you just add to that confusion when you have different bodies interpreting an already confusing document. Well, I, and, and this is going to be my end argument, and I know it, I, I sound very aggressive, but I really think that incompetence makes confusion a bigger enemy. And if you have more <laughs> competent uh, bodies of certification, getting more practical, getting more, getting faster, getting more efficient at interpreting these rules and making it easier for the producers and consumers to understand and comply with, I think that this mess that we have in front of us might not be that intimidating in in the future. Well, I you know I I hope you are right, Chava. I <laughs> hope you are right, and and that's all we really have is to look at what happens because this is this is so this is so new. This is an agave road trip exclusive, right? It is like somehow we got our hands on this court document that uh, that that proves that proves that sets in motion the wheels that opens up the certification to all these other regulatory bodies. Yes. And, and if you want to read that, go, go to our website and it'll be downloadable. Um, yeah. And I don't know how we got this. We just, I guess we have the right friends, which makes us sound like the corrupt body. No, I think we're just finally getting to be journalists, something that we never actually <laughs> thought we we're going to be able to do, but now here we are. So Lou, I think this is a wrap. I don't want to say anything else because we might be endangering our lives if we get at odds with the wrong certifying buddy. Uh, that's it. Adios. <laughs> Sounds good. Hasta pronto, Java. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. 
Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.